What's good? You already know who it is, and if you don't know who it is, it's your man Leon Benson, aka Leon Genesis, aka your mom's favorite personal trainer, aka Let's Get It, aka Let's Work, aka Always Working, aka Theatris Thompson in the building. What it do? We back at it again, man. This is episode 107, season three of the Passion Purpose Perspective podcast by yours truly. We out here. We working. It's Sunday, fun day, July 10th, 2022. Yeah, man, let's get into it. Last episode, um, we discussed competition with self in regards to your fitness and nutritional goals. Um, So plain and simple, don't worry about competing with other people, your peers. Don't worry about, you know, if you have haters or don't have haters in regards to your fitness and nutritional goals. You need to focus on competing against yourself, being better than the person that you were yesterday. So if you want to go back into the feed, you can look at episode 106 and you can check that out. Um, And the episode, I also talked about how risk seems to be unavoidable in regards to finance and investing and managing money um, and capital allocation. Um, there's always risk, you know, somewhere within, you know, the grand scheme of things, whether it's geopolitical, whether it's credit risk, whether it's counterparty risk, uh, whether it's just risk uh, in regards to, you know, just psychological risk for individual investors um or even just uh yeah i think i already said like interest rate risk you know etc environmental risk there's so many different risks um that are apparent throughout these markets so yeah a lot of us we're just trying to like mitigate or minimize the amount of risk that uh, we are exposed to in our portfolios and it's hard to do man it's a never-ending battle Um, Because the variables are constantly shifting and changing. Anyway, today in regards to fitness, I want to talk about the the benefits of circuit training. And then um, I want to get into some other things as well um, on the finance side in regards to analysts, projections, guidance, and some other stuff that seems quite interesting to me that continues to be apparent, you know, years and years later. So first and foremost, um, getting into circuit training. So according to the National Academy of Sports Medicine, circuit training is a series of strength training exercises one performs back to back with minimal rest in between. So basically what that says is doing one exercise and then going right into another exercise without taking, you know, a large uh, break in between sets. Um, Now, you can do circuit training and perform two exercises or more. And why am I talking about this? Because, you know, when I used to train people like more frequently than I do now, let's be real, I don't train anybody right now. Um, And I haven't since way before COVID. But yeah, 
when I would train people in the past or when I would do like uh, just consulting with people just to kind of see where they were at or what they wanted to do, everyone always talked about, well, I don't have a lot of time. I work full time or I'm a parent or I'm a student. I'm in college. I'm in high school, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, or even some people just they don't like working out, but they want to get in shape and they want to try to find an easy you know, an easy way out or just a quick fix or whatever, just a fast way to, to get in shape or a more efficient way to get in shape. And to be honest, ultimately, you got to put the work in. You can't you can't really you can't hide from the work when it comes to training. Fitness and nutrition, um, it's a process and it takes time to develop, um, you know, to develop your your physique, it takes time to develop, you know, a nutritional program that's going to work for you based on your body mass index and what your goals are. And it also depends on your time horizon. But with that, you can find ways to optimize your training programs um, and just a way to optimize your time in regards to, you know, the, the amount of time that you're that you're given based on, you know, your lifestyle, whatever. So, yeah, you can still get in shape. You can still lose weight. You can still build muscle, but you can do it in less time per training session. Now, because of that, you're going to have to do it for longer or just bring a higher uh, a higher level of intensity to your workouts. This is where circuit training comes into play. So again, basically circuit training is when you perform an exercise, exercises, multiple exercises for longer durations of time with less rest in between sets. So an example of circuit training will go something like this. And I just wrote this down real quickly just to give an example. So you could do one minute of sit-ups, one minute of push-ups, and one minute of jumping jacks. And that will be one set. Now you can do that three times. So you can do three rounds, one minute each for each exercise um, with no rest in between. And that would be, you know, that would be a circuit. So with that, clearly, if you understand the process of that, you're going to have to work way harder um, to perform at those levels because you're going to be constantly working the entire time again, without much rest in between. Um, Obviously, less than a minute rest. If you really want to get intense, less than 45 seconds of rest in between. I would say 30 seconds or less um, in terms of rest periods in between those. But that would that would classify um, as a circuit workout because it's more so high intensity non-stop, you know, again, very, very little rest in between. It's going to allow you to, to burn a significant amount of calories in less time, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a hack. As much as I could sit here and say, oh, hack your way, you know, to a better body, you know, doing 25 minute workouts or whatever, doing circuit training. It's not necessarily a hack on getting to a higher level of fitness or getting into shape overall, like in a faster way. It's just a way to optimize your time, your actual time that you have in a 24 hour period. If you don't want to be in the gym for 
an hour a day or an hour and a half or two hours. All right, you can engage in circuit training a few times a week. So that way, all right, your maximum amount of training time is maybe 30 minutes, 25 minutes if you're really pressed, 20 minutes if you're just, you know, you really don't have that kind of time. Yes, you can get in a good workout in 20 minutes, 25 minutes or 30 minutes, but you're still going to have to train in, in regards to how many weeks in a row you're going to have to train more because you're you're training for a shorter amount of time. Um, and there are some some, you know, there are some downfalls. There are some cons to this. But in regards to the the pros, so the benefits, you're going to get more motor recruitment. What does that mean? When you do circuit training, you're going to utilize more muscles in your body to help you to perform the exercises because it's going to be more strenuous, more intense. Um, And oftentimes when you do get tired, your body will start to help you facilitate whatever exercises you're engaging in by relying on other body parts. Um, So going back to my example of circuit training, if we're looking at sit-ups, all right, maybe you're, you're, you know, all right, three rounds, one minute each. So you're on your third round. You're getting super duper exhausted. Um, Now you're trying to do your sit-ups or whatever. After a while, instead of feeling the burn just in your core, because you're getting a, a lot more fatigued and exhausted throughout the throughout the the process of the exercise or throughout the set, you might start recruiting your hamstrings. You might start re- even recruiting, you know, your glutes or your quads or even your calf muscles um, to help you lift up your torso to perform that sit up. Um, and that is kind of an example of motor recruitment. Now, why on earth would you use your legs to do a sit-up? Well, when you don't have as much energy or when your muscles are extremely fatigued and that lactic acid builds up, trust me, your body is going to want to give out. But if you do that sit-up and you're extremely fatigued, you are going to use other muscles um, in order to help you perform that exercise. You might even use your arms, your biceps and triceps to get up or your front delts uh, or the front of your shoulders. But yeah, more motor recruitment is something that you're going to get in regards to engaging in circuit training. Um, Obviously, you're going to be, you know, you're going to engage in more intensity. You're going to have more intensity because your body's going to be working way harder um, to get uh, just to perform the workout. Because, again, it's much more intense. Um, There's not a lot of, you know, of a warm up process. You can warm up before you engage in the actual program in and of itself. But once you're doing it like you're locked and loaded and, you know, you have that short amount of time. So you're working the entire time pretty much with very, very little rest. Like I said, you know, less than 45 second rest in between, because the point of circuit training is to engage in long durations of exercise for very, 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 very short amount of rest periods in between. Because, yeah, one, you're going to recruit more muscles. Two, you're going to be able to burn a large amount of calories in a shorter amount of time. Um, But also, two, you're going to rapidly increase your heart rate, which is also going to try to help you burn more calories 
or just uh, even get into a fat burning zone uh, a little bit sooner than you normally would. And then obviously another benefit to circuit training is it's le- there's less time. And that in turn is going to be more efficient for you. So, yeah, again, a lot of people I've talked to, they always talk about, oh, well, time is an issue in regards to, you know, fitness and nutrition, you know, and going into circuit training, you know, on the on the fitness side, there's time you can you can do a workout in 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. You have the time. You just are not understanding how to optimize your workouts. And again, you can optimize your workouts by engaging in circuit training, which again, you're going through various exercises for longer durations of time with less rest in between, practically no rest um, in some cases. And again, the example that I gave is you could do one minute of sit-ups and right after you do those sit-ups, one minute of push-ups and right after you do those push-ups, one minute of jumping jacks. And you can do that for three rounds, four rounds, five rounds, however many rounds you, 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 you think you can do. Um, until 30 minutes of time has elapsed, elapsed. Um, and another thing I want to point out is that circuit training is not recommended more than like two or three times a week because of the amount of intensity that, uh, that you have to bring to those type of workouts. It's a lot on your body. It's a lot on your joints and ligaments and tendons. Um, so you don't want to be doing circuit training seven days a week or six days a week or five days a week. Even four days a week of circuit training is a lot. And that's assuming that you're like really pushing yourself and and like, you know, taking it to the max and giving it, you know, 100% of your effort. When you do real circuit training, trust me, you're not going to be able to do it more than two to three times a week. Um, And also it takes longer to recover from circuit training because of the amount of intensity. And you can do circuit training with weights, whether it's machines or free weights. You can also do circuit training um, in regards to body weight exercises or calisthenics. Um, so it isn't just, you know, oh, only in the weight room or whatever. No, you can do circuit training, um, you know, with whatever type of training regimen or routine that you have or, or with whatever equipment that you use, usually use, you can you can create a circuit program uh, around those exercises or activities that you currently like to do. Um, but yeah, another thing is you're able to spend less time in the gym again, because a lot of it for, for a lot of people is it's a, it's a time constraint. Oh, I don't have the time. You know, I I work this many hours or again, you know, I got to take care of the kids or I got to study or whatever, whatever. Um, I hate to say it, but those are all excuses. There's 24 hours in a day. You're telling me you can't find 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes to do a workout three times a week. You can do it. You just don't want to do it. Um, But again, this is the whole point of circuit training. It is to optimize your fitness routine and to shorten it. So that way you still can work on your physical self um, and still start to build, you know, your physique start getting into better shape. But again, you're spending less time working out. Um, And like I said in the beginning, it's not a hack. Um, I could easily make it look like it's a hack, but it's not it's not a fitness hack. 
It's just a way to optimize your fitness routine um, in regards to the amount of time that you are spending working out. So again, you combine multiple movements into a single set. And it's harder on your body. And the recovery time is going to be longer because, again, it's much more intense. But it's going to allow you to work on your fitness routine. It's going to allow you to build muscle, burn body fat, um, and improve your cardiovascular endurance. So there are some benefits to it, but it's not the end-all, be-all at all. But if that's the thing that works for you and allows you to get in some type of exercise routine, then yes, I definitely would encourage anybody out there to engage in circuit training, you know, two to three times a week. Because like I said, with that level of intensity that you bring to circuit training and the way that it's designed, it's not something that you can do four or five days a week. It's going to be too much for your body. and You're going to start to, you know, break down and start to get injuries because you're not able to recover um, at the most optimum levels. Uh, so yeah, man, once again, if you're trying to get in shape and you don't have a lot of time, you should probably look into circuit training, find, you know, some exercises that you like and you can just rearrange them in, in different ways that you want to rearrange them. It doesn't in, and you can do this, whether you do it, you know, in terms of like counting actual reps or you can do it based on the amount of time like so like i said you can do one minute on uh 20 seconds off of of each exercise but it'll be you know two or more exercises performed with a very little bit of rest in between um just back to back to back and then you just run it back round after round until you hit, you know, a 20 minute threshold or a 25 minute threshold or a 30 minute threshold. Um, so yeah, I've definitely engaged in some circuit training in the past. Um, because yeah, I I used to be pressed for time some days, but I would still want to train. So I would just do a low, I've had workouts that were 15 minutes long, you know, um, because I found a way to optimize, uh, my routine just so I can get in some work for that day. But yeah, anyway, that is the fitness portion of this episode. Um, So if you enjoyed that, make sure you download, rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. Getting into the world of finance, which is extremely interesting. Well, it's not extremely interesting, but it's interesting enough that I'm talking about it. But anyway, um, I ran across the post on Instagram, and there was an analyst suggesting that the S&P 500 will hit 4,900 by year's end or have a gain of 27%. And to me, I'm like, yo, that's that's cap, man. That sounds like some nonsense. Um, It just puzzles me sometimes when these analysts say some of the things that they say. And, and I just wonder, like, where it comes from. Some of it I know where it comes from, but... You know, to the people that don't study this stuff or look at it or, or, you know, pay attention to any of the details, it's just like, man, you got to watch what these analysts are saying on TV and you got to watch what they're saying on YouTube or, or, you know, on social media or whatever. Um, a lot of these, you know, individuals are incentivized to have a certain sentiment or outlook 
on the markets. So if there's an analyst walking around, you know, or strutting around on TV saying, yo, we're doomed, uh, you know, the market is going to fall 20% more lower than where it is now. Uh, things are not looking good, this and that. Uh, we're headed to a recession or we're headed for a depression or we're headed for stagflation or more inflation or whatever. That is going to spook retail investors. Um, and it's also going to cause some institutional investors, you know, to get out of the market or, you know, reallocate. Uh, and especially for retail investors, if we're not, if we're not invested or if we're not, you know, buying and selling stocks, that doesn't create or generate any fees for these analysts. But also some of these analysts, you know, they're very concerned with how they look amongst their peers. And if they're on TV, you know, talking gloom and doom, after a while, these networks are not going to want to have them on. They're not going to want to do segments with them. Um, because again, if you're if they're constantly saying, well, things are not looking good and there's going to be more turmoil, then from there, it's just like, yeah, people are not going to want to invest their money. They're not um, because they're looking at what, what analysts are saying. And if analysts are negative, then that's going to make retail investors negative. Nobody's going to want to buy stocks or bonds or ETFs or mutual funds uh, or crypto or whatever the hell. And if they're not buying, then these analysts and these investment firms and these mutual funds are not going to be able to generate any fees because there's no capital inflows. Because again, if it's gloom and doom, if everything is negative, then yeah, nobody's going to want to invest, um, especially the uninformed retail investors like myself and others. So what we want to hear is everything is going to be okay. Things are, things are going to be peachy. Um, the market is going to rebound. And of course you got, you got these, these cats out here, you know, saying, Hey, look, the market is going to rally 27% by, by the end of 2022. The problem that I have with that again is they're incentivized to say these things, but also some of these analysts, their jobs are on the line. And some of the research that I was doing, I was looking at, um, just the dot-com era, you know, when tech stocks were going crazy and all these tech companies were coming out of the blue and there were IPOs all over the place and people were so hyped up and just kind of just, you know, just boosting up their companies, even companies that fundamentally were just disastrous and didn't even have any earnings, but they had potential or they had a lot of growth, but no, no revenue, uh, to, to, to speak for it, you know, yeah, a lot of these analysts were given positive outlooks and guidance on where the market was going. But then there were a few, uh, highly respected analysts that were saying, look, things are not looking good. The market is falling. It's going to continue to fall based on all these metrics, based on macro and microeconomic, uh, indicators, or just uh, 
just where we are in, in, in the business cycles, etc. And the ones that were speaking the truth, some of them got booted off of TV. Um, because, of course, you know, you had certain networks that would have some of these financial shows or whatever every day or every week. And I'm sure you've seen some of them uh, for those of you who are into that. But, yeah, some of these cats, man, they're always just cheery. Everything is always hunky dory. The market's always going up from their perspective. But then again, that just hypes up retail investors um, to say, oh, yeah, like, let me buy some more stocks and then let me get in here. Um, but this is why uh, one of my previous episodes, I talked about uh, the concept of capitulation, which is when markets are continuing to fall, it, it spooks investors and investors will sell even when the prices are falling um, and they just get out of the market uh, fully, 100%, um, because obviously they don't want to experience any further losses and they're not even looking at the balance sheet or income statements of the businesses that they bought. They just sell because they see the price falling because they don't understand what's happening. Um, so they don't want to play in that. They don't want to experience that, you know, just the psychological uh, warfare that goes on in, in, in their minds when they see their accounts in the red. Um, but yeah, man, um, these analysts, you know, some of them, I don't know. I mean, and hey, I could be wrong, but you know, they're giving out these super positive peachy outlooks for years end. Meanwhile, when you look around at the economic environments, um, at least domestically in the U S it's like, man, we're struggling out here. Businesses are struggling. When you look at corporate balance sheets, when you look at these annual reports, these quarterly reports, they're not looking as good as they were last year or the year before that, or even last quarter or the quarter before that. Um, obviously, if you look at the interest rate environment, you know, um, they've already recently had did 75 basis points, which when they, when they increased that Fed funds rate, that increases the cost of businesses borrowing money. And if it's if it costs more for them to borrow money, they're going to have to use more of the capital that they don't want to use or they're going to have to transfer that cost onto consumers, uh, i.e. inflation, a.k.a. charging higher prices for their products because it costs them more, uh, you know, for shipping, receiving, manufacturing, raw materials, etc., some of that, it goes to us. Obviously, you guys have seen that with gas prices, commodity prices, um, even just with retail prices in regards to, you know, durable goods, et cetera, whatever. Yeah, those price increases, they they get dumped onto us because the banks and other investment, uh, you know, firms and institutions, they dump it on the businesses. So the businesses got to do something with it. But yeah, it's just like, what do these analysts do? They say, ah, everything is going to be Gucci because we made the projections and we got to make these projections because we want to keep getting paid. So again, it's just like, man, just imagine this. You know, you maybe you work for a TV network uh, or whatever. And, you know, you're paid based off of some of the things you say. And obviously you're paid off of some of the research that you engage in. 
you're doing the research, you've got the resources, you know, you're in some of these meetings with some of these corporations, you're looking at some of the metrics, you know where the economy is going, you've looked at the historical data as an analyst, um, you understand, you know, the ins and outs of, of how business works, of how the market works, about, you know, how the market prices in certain things, the gloom and doom, you know, the boom and bust, whatever, just the cyclical nature of of things and even the sec- secular nature of things and you know because of that things that you say some people take that as gospel some people take that as fact because they just don't look at everything you know as a whole and some people they don't they don't have minds that question what they hear some people just assume well the the financial advisor on TV said it, or this analyst on TV said it, and this is a popular show. So what they say is is fact, and what they say is real because they're on TV with a suit, and they got money, and you know why would they tell us something wrong, or why would they tell us something bad, or this and that, and it's just like no, you can't be that naive. Um, but also too, a lot of retail investors, especially man, like we're lazy. And we have to put the work in. We have to do the research ourselves. We got to read up on some of this stuff. It's the only way that we're really going to know what's going on. Um, ooh, my neck. And we can't, we can't just keep listening to what financial analysts are saying. They are incentivized to have a certain outlook on the market. They're not going to say what you want them to say. They're going to say what they are supposed to say um, based on what they're paid, based on, you know, what the network is telling them is going to be the best thing or what's going to get the most views or whatever. It's, you know, it's a lot of propaganda that goes into some of this financial nonsense that's on television, especially. Um, And sometimes people will say anything to generate fees. Um, The more that people are, you know, in and out of their portfolios, buy and selling, buy and selling, the more fees that they're going to generate that these analysts are going to collect on the, on the back of whatever the hell that they told you was a buy or a sell or neutral or a hold or whatever the case may be. So of course it's going to look good. If somebody says, Hey, look, Everything is going to be good because the S&P is going to be at 4900 by the year by the end of the year. All right, cool. Well, if if he said or she said it's going to be at 4900, I believe it because they probably did the research because you know, they're smarter than I am or they have a nice suit or they're on TV or they drive a nice car, they make a lot of money, so that must mean that they know what they're talking about in regards to, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever, cryptocurrency, etc. It's just like, nah, man, like you need to be curious enough or skeptical enough to question what they're saying and why they're saying it and even how they're saying it. And even just the the cognitive biases that we all fall prey to from time to time. Um, As much as we want to believe that, you know, we're not biased to certain ideas no, we all we all are victims of that. Um, we all fall for it because it's ingrained in us um, and it's very hard to monitor. But yeah, man, these analysts, they make money on the back of what they say. So they're not going to just say anything. 
They're not going to say, or matter of fact, no, let me, let me, let me, let me switch that up. They are going to say almost anything, anything that will make people buy and sell, buy and sell, buy and sell, buy and sell so that they can generate those fees and make that money. Um, they don't care about your best interest. They don't care about if you retire wealthy or not. Um, their job is to get people to buy whatever type of investments they're interested in buying over and over and over again so that they can get those sales loads or they can get those different type of fees, you know, whether it's a hedge fund that gets two and 20, you know, or an analyst that gets whatever salary they get uh, based on how many people buy a stock that they say, hey, you should buy this. And this is why. But yeah, man, we as retail investors, we have to do a better job of doing our own due diligence. You know, the information is out there. Um, they're not the only ones with the information. They're not the only ones uh, that can come up with ways to value companies or to look at, you know, the viability of whatever companies they're saying we should or shouldn't buy. It's just like, man, we can't just listen to anything or anybody. Like, it's so much easier to just question everything and to and to do your own research. So that way you you know, all right, I made this decision based off of what I looked at and what I thought was feasible or what I thought was legitimate for my own situation. Um, because again, these analysts that are on TV, they're not looking at your situation and saying, well, you know, this is this is going to be the best thing for you based on what you do, based on what you make, who you are, how much disposable income you have based on, you know, your uh, your your short term or long term time horizons or whatever. Look, they're just reading that teleprompter and whatever's on it, that's what they're reading um, or whatever they rehearsed that they were going to say that's going to get those fees uh, generated so that they can, you know, buy a bigger house or get a better car or get people just in and out uh, of the market. That's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to say. Um, so, yeah, man, you got to you got to you got to have an inquiring mind. You do. Otherwise, you're just going to do whatever you hear. Like you're just going to you're going to buy yourself based on things that you hear without even understanding what it is you're buying or selling and why it is you're buying or selling it. Like, man, don't be lazy. Um, do the research yourself so you can so you can see what it is that's going on. So you can understand when things are good, what's happening and you can understand what's going on when things are bad or things are neutral or whatever. Um, don't be clueless. Like there's so many people that I've talked to and they all will say like, yeah, I don't really understand it. That's the thing I hear the most. Yeah, I don't really understand or I don't really know or, oh, yeah, I have my advisor look at it. It's just like, yo, like, fam, like, you're not going you're not going to figure out what's really going on, because as soon as something bad happens, then then we're all concerned. It's just like, man, don't just listen to what people are saying. Like, you can't do that. Um, It's dangerous as hell. Um, especially in regards to like the whole crypto scene, the whole Bitcoin and all that crap. Like, yo, man, it's wow. Um, but people will they'll just buy anything because they think like, well, oh, it's going to go up in value. 
and then that's all that matters. It's like, well, predicated on what? On the back of what? You know, you have to know what the investment is. You have to know how it works. How does it work? How does it generate money? How does it lose money? Uh, What happens when it goes sideways or when it's just stagnant, you know? But again, yeah, uh, some people are just lazy and they don't want to do the research. Um, But that's the only way to, to figure this stuff out, honestly. And some analysts on TV, they're not concerned with, you know, what you have or don't have or what your goals are. They're concerned with doing whatever they got to do to get you generating fees that they get. Um, So, yeah, man, honestly, I had some other notes here, but that's all I really want to say for now. Um, It's just kind of annoying, you know, when, when you see posts about analysts suggesting that you know, things are going to be like super peachy or whatever. Although on the other side of it, all you hear lately anyway is, yeah, we're going into a recession or there might be a recession or the percentage, the, the likelihood or probability of a recession is imminent or it's increasing, you know, this and that. What like interest rates are continuing to increase. It's just like, yo. Yeah, man, it it's. It's 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 very interesting what's happening right now, but it's way better to to kind of have an understanding of where we are in the economic cycle. Um, it's better to understand the businesses that you're buying. It's better to be able to actually look at the financial statements of the companies that you're buying in your portfolio so you can really see what is happening and understand why it's happening. That's your best bet, man. That's your best bet. Um, Because, yeah, man, like I said, when shit's good, nobody cares. Everyone's just happy and excited or thinking that they're, you know, a badass because their investment increased in value. It's just like, you didn't do that. But then when shit goes south, everybody panics and wants to sell everything. Um or ruin their account because they don't understand what's going on or, or, you know, why things are happening the way that they're happening. Um, or they just have these, you know, ignorant assumptions about the way that the market works. So yeah, man, watch out for all these wild ass analysts that are just throwing, throwing out ideas or projections or price points because they're paid to, to have a certain perspective on markets. Um, but yeah, it's just like, and they'll even say, oh, I'm, I'm buying this or I'm doing that or I'm doing that. It's just like, really, would you really tell, you know, me, little old me, Mr. Retail investor, Mrs. Mrs. Retail investor that, that this is what you're buying and this is what you're doing without getting some type of pay on that, like some type of incentive based on that. Nah, like it's something to what you're saying and why you're saying it the way that you're saying it. Um, So all I'm saying is continue to be a skeptic, remain skeptical um, and just read up on some of this so you can understand what's happening, man. But anyway, that's all I wanted to say. So I'm finna get up out of here. As usual, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you download, rate, comment and subscribe to the podcast for more episodes, man. All right. We got more on the way. So, once again, you already know who it is. I'm not going to say it again. I'm out.